Hi, I'm Heidi Compulsive Eater. Um, let me figure out what I'm doing here. I'll just put on the gallery so I have an audience to talk to. Oh, wow. It's an honor to be here. Um, I joined this meeting 20 months ago last Saturday. Um, what it was like was um, I come from a family where my parents got divorced in the early 70s. And at the time, that was like very scandalous. Uh, my grandparents didn't uh, speak to my mom because she got divorced. My mom and my dad came from like a religious background where you, um, you know, my interpretation of it is that they grew up like, this is what you do. You grow up, you go to church, you get married, you have 2.3 kids and a dog and a picket fence and you live happily ever after. My parents uh, got pregnant and then got married, <laughs> shotgun wedding, and that was me. And um, they were both um, addicts, untreated, and the marriage didn't last for very long. Um, so they got divorced and it was scandalous. And um, they were also like this 70, free to be you and me. Mm -hmm. So instead of getting divorced and doing it, um, doing it the way it was recommended, they came up with their own way of... Um, divorcing and what they did was they had a duplex my mom lived in the lower for two years rent free my dad lived in the upper and then the attic was our bedroom me and my sister and it was an unfinished attic and um so for from very early on i felt like um, i was different i felt like i didn't have a place um and and that started a searching for something outside of myself for peace and comfort. And, um, and I found it in recovery, you know, 32 years, 33 years later. Um, I always felt like, so there were people in my family. Um, my grandfather, uh, was a recovering alcoholic. He's kind of like the madman character. You know, he was an insurance salesman and he wined and dined. And, uh, my grandmother was, I don't know if she was in Al-Anon, but she, could have been or should have been she had her own uh style and it was very much like um this is the way you do things you know uh there was always religion but it was different than spirituality um and and then in that family in my family of origin there was also my aunt who was like eight years younger than my mom and she was the one who did perfection she got married She's had the same haircut her whole life. Uh, she was a teacher. She did 30 years. She retired. She had three boys and a dog. Uh, they've had several dogs. They always named the dog the same thing, which I think is weird. I still think it's weird. <laughs> it works for them, but they've had Bailey and then they had Bailey and then they had Bailey. And I'm like, well, what about you know what I mean? It doesn't acknowledge like the individuality. And actually they did that with their, um, so my, my their mother and the mother-in-law in that family, her name was Evie. And now they have a granddaughter who they call Evie. And I'm, it still kind of weirds me out, you know? Um, so there were, and then my uncle was also in that family and he was in recovery. 
And um, he was sober. He always talked about the slogans, you know, let go and let God. And I saw AA through him because he had AA friends who, you know, were of service to him in his life. Um, So I grew up kind of like self-will run riot. And um, I went to college because I was supposed to go to college and I didn't know what I was interested in. So I ended up with a philosophy degree after seven years in college. Uh, While I was in college, I worked at the catering department on campus. And that I think is where, I mean, my first job was waitressing as well. So food was always, it was always part of my career. And I was always eating because I was always in restaurants. And um, so I ended up with the philosophy degree what do you do with a philosophy degree? If you're not going to go on to be a professor, you go to culinary school, which is what I did. <laughs> so I went to culinary school. Um, I did an apprenticeship, which I thought was, I was pretty slick because I was getting paid to learn and there was food everywhere. And I worked at a uh, at the American Club in Kohler, which if anybody's a golfer or a resort person, that's a five diamond woody woo. Um, so I thought I was in the right place, you know? Um, I did that. I had, you know, I had a life. I was single, but it was all about eating and drinking my whole life. Um, And I had this restless, irritable and discontent feeling inside. And what I did was I remember I had a day off. There was no reason. I, I didn't feel like there was a good reason for me to not be happy. I had a roof over my head. I had friends. I was going out partying. You know, I was blonde at the time and single and living in America. And, you know, you hear those things about how if you live in the United States and you have running water and a refrigerator and like you're in the 0.01% of the population on the planet. And I knew that and I felt like what what's wrong with me, you know, and I didn't figure it out with a philosophy degree. Um, And I remember I had a day off. And uh, and I went to the liquor store. And I got, and I remember it was a beautiful day. It was like 11 o'clock in the morning. I went to the liquor store and I stood, you know, you walk and you walk on the um, mat and the door opens and I was going to figure out what my problem was, what was wrong. And I went and I got a six pack of beer and I was never a beer drinker because beer didn't have enough punch to it. I was, you know, give me a martini or a Long Island iced tea because, because I was getting my bang for my buck, you know? But that day I, um, I got a six pack of beer and I was going to figure it out. So I went home, I cute little apartment an upper flat. I had painted it. It was nice and decorated. The sun's coming in. I'm in the kitchen. I crack a beer and I take a sip and, and I didn't feel like a spiritual awakening. And I was like, oh, this sucks. This is stupid. How am I going to find how, why do I expect to find an answer in a, in a can of beer? And so I got up. And, um, and to me, that was like the first, uh, you know, it talks in the third step, giving my will and my life over. I wasn't in recovery, but that's what I did that day. I gave my will and my life over. It was like, I knew there was something outside of me that had, that could do things better or that had it more figured out than I did or whatever. And so I got up and I poured out the beer and, um, and I went for a bike ride and I wasn't a bike rider either, but it was a beautiful day. Um, and I look back on that and that was like 1998 and I look back on that and I can see how, uh, 99, 2000, 2001 higher power started giving me 
situations that were just totally unbelievable. Um, 9-11 was one of those. 9-11 kind of rocked me, you know? And I felt like this collective uh, wake-up call, too, with 9-11. I think we some I've heard other people say the same thing. Uh, right around the same time, a, a month before 9-11, uh, I was at a wedding, family wedding. I was like the middle cousin. My older cousins were there. They're all cool. My younger cousin was getting married. My grandma was ecstatic because all her, and I was in my late 20s, 29, 30 at this point. And my, um, you know, my grandma's all happy. All oh, my grandbabies are here. You know, this one came from Florida. This one came from Minnesota. We were in Wisconsin and it was a party. And I feel like um, that party, it was a celebration. There was a lot of drinking um, and a lot of food. You know, it was all about like the Dom Perignon. And uh, and I feel like my family had raised the bottom. So my grandfather, who was alcoholic, had gone before, you know, in the 60s and 70s. And my family, and, and I feel this about recovery. The people that have gone before have raised the bottom so that I didn't have to suffer or get as overweight or get as drunk or get as in debt or get as sexual, whatever that addiction looks like. So the disease, the bottom has been raised. So we were at this wedding and uh, everybody's partying and drinking. There's nobody that's sloppy, drunk, fall down, drunk or obese or too far outside of, but there's the compulsion, you know, is in play for sure with me and a lot of other people at that wedding. It's just about midnight and my um, oldest cousin, Brian, uh, goes over to the side. You know, they got, the DJ's like, we're going to be done in a minute. We're going to play the one last song. And Brian goes over to the side to kind of cool off and he sits down to catch some air and he falls off his chair and collapses and dies of a heart attack. And so we went from wedding to funeral. And, and in that... Um, situation i was like this is just too weird like stuff like this doesn't happen like there has to be a power in the universe orchestrating this because it was like emotionally raw and and positive for the wedding and then we took that and we transformed it into this grieving and burying my cousin brian and um so and so after i had that that can of beer and turned my will and my life over unknowingly things started happening where to confirm that there was a power greater than myself in the universe, because all these trippy things happened that happened in August of 2001. Then there was September 11th. And I listened to that and I watched those situations unfold in my life. Um, I got a job at Marquette university and I remember in a catering position, funny. And um, I remember walking into the university union and and it's, you know, it's a Jesuit campus. And I walked into this beautiful space at the union to go for my job training. Having had no, you know, religious background or exposure before that, except for I knew like, oh, Catholics, they're judgmental or whatever. Um, and I had done service in my community. I had gone to the soup kitchen and, and fed homeless people. And so I knew that there was that aspect to spirituality and religion. Um so I walked into the union and I was like, you mean people believe in God, in a God, not, I'm not here to like require one in particular, but there are people on the planet who believe in a force greater than themselves, call it God. 
and they erect these structures and make these beautiful, they live their life dedicated to or uh, in homage to a higher power. That was like a novel idea in, in my life at 30 years of age. And I remember being overwhelmed with this feeling of, and I was paying attention to these things that were always around me, um, but I didn't, I wasn't open. And that's kind of how um, I came to OA. So I'm going to kind of fast forward because I'm spending too much time on that part of it. But um, I, I, I got sober. I had another like spiritual awakening. My mom was diagnosed with lung cancer in 2002. And uh, she, I was with her when she was diagnosed. They, she was having health problems. They didn't know. She was a lifelong smoker. And she didn't know, she was surprised when she got a lung cancer diagnosis. I was with her. She was like, oh, after she was thinking out loud in the car, she was like, after all these years, I was going to quit. She couldn't wrap her mind around the fact that she got lung cancer from smoking, even though she'd been a smoker for all those years. And that's the, the family tree that I come from. I need help aligning my mind, my heart, my spirit, my behavior so that the consequences of my actions don't surprise me. And for me, it's as simple as that. And um, so I got sober in, uh, as a result of her being diagnosed. Uh, my sister came back to town once my mom was diagnosed with lung cancer. And my mom did one of the most motherly, one of the only motherly things she ever did. And she said, I'm sending you guys to therapy because you're going to have to figure out how to be in the same room with each other. Because we just fought our whole lives. We never had any kind of parental structure to say, you may not pull each other's hair, you know? And then they kind of expected us to teach ourselves, which doesn't really work for me. Um, so it was in therapy that with my sister that I realized that I was an alcoholic and the alcohol running through my life was, you know, it, that was my main compulsion and food was right along with it. Cause you don't, for me, I didn't do alcohol without food. So I took away the alcohol. Um, and then at 18 years sober in 2020, no, yeah. 2020 during the pandemic, I got so into, uh, working online meetings helping set up meetings, chair meetings, da, 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 that I forgot my um, sobriety anniversary. My sobriety anniversary got came and went. And two days later, I was like, hey, I had 18 years in that program. So I got back to doing the things that I did when I first got sober. And those coincidentally are all the tools. So for me, um, you know, getting sober in the beverage program, this is the nine tools this is the, where do I start? You guys sent me this after I started coming here in, um, in March of 2021. So thank you for that. I, I was able to like put the plug in the jug, but then I still compulsed about food. <clears throat> um, so for me, I was thinking about this this morning. Um, you know, they talk in recovery about like the steps are for the individual the traditions govern our relationships with each other. And then there's the concepts of service, which, you know, go out and how do we interact with the world and what's the legacy maybe we're going to leave. For me, the beverage program helped me kind of put the plug in the jug and look at 
my compulsion, the compulsion, the characteristics of being an addict that I can put on to food. I can put it on to spending. I can put it on. I've never done it on sex, but maybe who that'll be fun someday. Right. Um, and I'm joking. Um, but so, so AA gave me, um, sobriety and what OA, what OA has given me is kind of like traditions for myself. What kind of person do I want to be? How do I want to be as a wife, as a mother? Um, cause I can be sober and I can be abstinent with my food. I have a plan, but I can still be crazier than crazy. And for me to be sober or to be abstinent, to not be in the food and to be dry, that's worse. I, I mean, I, I don't even want to say that that's worse because then I might have a <coughs> You guys give me the tools to love myself, you know what I mean? And to um, have wants and needs. And so I didn't want to get to the end of my life and just have been sober or have lost the last five pounds at my, you know, get to my goal weight. And then, and I don't know if I'm making sense at all, but um, where am I at on time? You have about a, a little over two minutes. Okay. So um, for me, it's important to take the action take healthy action and then uh, consider the results. And for me, that's where like uh, willingness and I listen to people in this meeting um, and I listen to people in this meeting say um, like Stan talks about writing or, and I shouldn't name people, but in particular, but you guys do things that I admire and you give me an example of how to use the tools. And then when I do that, I take that healthy action. My life changes and I change and I become more of the person that I want to be and that my higher power intended me to be. If you just, for me, if I would just take away uh, the substances of my disease, I'd still be a mess. You know what I mean? I'd still be character defects. And I don't know how to teach myself out of that. So you guys teach me how to get out of that. Um, today, I, I want things, you know, I want to be a certain way. I want to be a certain type of person. And I was able to be that before, but then I would go out in the world and people weren't like me and then I get offended. And then that might trigger um, a relapse. You know, the first year was a learning experience for me. Um, now I'm in my second year and um, I need to kind of slow down a little bit because I'm doing all kinds of stuff. Like we're getting new windows and we're, and, you know, I'm making changes and that feels good. I just always want to strive though for balance which is why I come to this meeting a lot, even when I'm at work and I can't really participate because <laughs> going to a lot of meetings helps me um, stay more balanced. 
So um, I'm lucky to be here. I appreciate each and every one of you. I learn from you each and every day. And um, I hope I never forget uh, that I need to stay in the middle of the herd because, because, because I did that once and it wasn't fun. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks for listening.